Log Talk Radio. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. Got miles to go before we sleep. Lawman is putting into my running, and I'm so far from my. We will not go gently. We're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. I'm going to play football. coming down from the gallows and I don't have Steeler Nation, and welcome to that extravaganza known as the Steeler Hangover. Now, typically, the hangover on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com is typically for 24 hours after the games. But we've had so much fun and so much craziness in the offseason with everything going on that the hangover is now for just what was said yesterday. Um, luckily, this week, has been drama-free, and that is going to be the crux of our show this evening, talking about whether the days of drama are behind us, and uh, that can that can bring up a lot of uh, side topics, so that will be very exciting. With me, as always, from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, our very own Anthony Depio. Tony, what's going on, my friend? Hey, Brian. Uh, nothing much right now, just... Uh sitting in my recliner and crafting PA and getting ready to have an awesome show with you as always. What's going on with you? I had no idea that you were in crafting and we've been working together for what, almost two years now. And so when you yeah. say crafting, is, is there another famous Pittsburgh another famous Yinzer from crafting that, that I'm, I'm forgetting about? The one and only Bill Cower. He has his own street. Yeah, I William, don't know, he has his own street. Yeah. William Laird Cower. Did you ever run into him? I've never met him, but I, I did. Uh, a few years ago, I was walking one Sunday night, and I saw his um, his street, you know, because they named his street after him. And I think, wow, finally. It's like the Mecca. It's like my, my, my 90s childhood memories coming back to me. So it, it was great. So I'm doing a, uh, a series now on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com um, called The Best of the Rest. I don't know if you've had a chance to catch it. And it seems that uh, I'm having so much fun with any of the uh, Bill Cower years. Now, to give you an idea of what Best of the Rest is, it's you take away the six Super Bowl teams, the teams that have won that sticky Lombardi, and uh, you just take them out of the equation, and it's a March Madness-style bracket 
15th the best of the rest is. And when I come up with a Bill Cower team, I have more fun researching that than ever. And like half the time, I don't even have to research it because just like you, Tony, I lived it. Yeah. And those, those were, those were some great times. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for Mike Tomlin. I don't bash. You've noticed I try not to bash Mike Tomlin because um, I'll just tell it like it is, but I, I really like Mike Tomlin and I, I respected what Chuck Knoll was, but I, as a, uh, as a human being, I kind of thought he was a little bit of a jerk, a lot like Belichick. Um, That was just my feeling. And it was something that happened a few years ago. I, for a hobby, I like to send in eight by tens to, uh, to the Steelers or to the individual retired player or the, the coach or what have you. And um, I have a very good return rate. And uh, one of the only return to senders I ever got was Chuck Knoll. And this was before he was sick. Um, and I sent one to uh, Mike Tomlin. I got one back in like less than two weeks. I sent it to the Steeler facility, um, 3400 South Water Street, Pittsburgh. Um, I got it back right away. And so I decided to send Bill Cowers to CBS, and it took about three three months, and I got it back. And hmm. no money was exchanged hands here, and that is one of my favorites. It's him holding up the Lombardi in Detroit, and he wrote in silver ink, you know, to Brian, and just like, and he wrote something too, and it's just my favorite, my favorite eight by ten that I have, and it's hanging on my wall. But um, Bill Cower remains um, remains just one of my favorite all time personalities. I mean, you can call him an athlete as a coach. I'll still call him an athlete because he was in sports, and I know he played, but I didn't follow him when he played. But I'm just a huge fan of Bill. So this show's not really wasn't to have anything to do with Bill Cower, but um, I'll, I'll ask, let's do a fact or fiction on Bill. Bill Cower will not be enshrined in Canton in the, pits, in the uh, NFL Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm going to say fiction. I think he'll get in eventually. I mean, he, I think he has the overall body of work, and, and he won the, the – uh, the one thing that a coach has to win, that's a Super Bowl. So I think he'll get in eventually. It, it might not be for a while. You know you know how that goes. But I think he definitely has – you know, he was consistent. He rebuilt the team two or three times. He took the team from the 80s doldrums, and he, and he just he just breathed new life into the entire organization and the entire city. And, and to me, I mean, it's just – it was like a breath of fresh air to see so much enthusiasm for this team. And it was like the 70s all over again. So – I think eventually he'll get in. He has he has everything you want, other than maybe he could have won a couple more Super Bowls. But they're saying that about our current coach, so you know you know how that goes. That's absolutely true, and I I agree with that. Um, we will definitely agree that that Bill Cower is just uh, one of the just one of the all time greats. And I'm actually uh, I'm waiting for him to be inducted into the Ring of Honor. And if I'm yeah. not mistaken, he's not in the Ring of Honor, is he? No, not or, yet. What, no, what's I, it I, called? Uh, what, the, I, I, hall, hall, hall of Honor, I think. Hall of Honor. I think it's called the Hall there of Honor. Go. Yeah. 
it's uh well anyways just it's it's good reminiscing i i would love to spend an entire show just reminiscing about the 90s uh, and too, i could even so reminisce about the 80s as well even though yeah no well no championships came out of out of uh, the uh, 90s either but i you know i have a soft spot for a lot of those 80s teams cuz that's when i was in grade school and middle school and high school i mean i graduated in 1989 so and i became a fan in like 78 so i uh mm. that entire decade those formative years when you're growing up were the steelers so i mean i maybe that's something that we should uh we should do in the next couple weeks or in a couple months since it is the off season we'll talk about that we'll uh We'll uh, have a programming note about that soon. How about that? But what we're talking about now is drama. And we have been dealing, Tony, with drama since, I would say, 2015. And the reason I'm going back to 2015 is because it wasn't really Antonio, per se, but that's when we started seeing uh, drug tests getting failed by Martavis Bryant first, and then um, then Le'Veon Bell followed suit. Um, but actually, you know, maybe before that, because uh, you had – when was it 2014 when LeGarrett played? And Le'Veon Bell had that problem out on McKnight yeah, Road. Right it's uh, – yeah, that was game. Yeah. yeah, that was 2014. That was Bell's second year. So, yeah, that was okay, so we, ba- we basically had five years of drama because we had the drama with LeGarrette Blunt. We had drama all through there with missing drug tests, with Martavis, with Le'Veon. We've, we've had a lot of stuff going on. 2016, well, actually it was 2017, but right after the 2016 season, we had Antonio Brown with Facebook Live. And then after that, we started getting into the contract stuff with Bell, um, April, his April Fool's joke saying that, oh, it's just an April Fool's joke, but I'm never playing under the franchise tag. And, boy, that wasn't a joke. <laughs> that was no, for real. Really wasn't. Yeah. So um, we, we have had a lot of stuff, and – of course, the last couple of weeks, I mean, wow. Just something we are not used to in Steeler Nation, and uh, hopefully we don't go through this again. Um, but that's the question. So I'm going to throw another fact or fiction out at you, Tony. And I'm going to say the drama is over in Pittsburgh. Um, just, I'm gonna have to go with fiction because it seems like you just, you know, unless Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell or whoever, whomever, I mean, who who knows who's gonna talk next? Josh Har- Josh Harris had his say, unless they all all delete their, or or deactivate their their social media accounts. You never know what's gonna what's gonna come out next. And these po- reporters love to go to them for their side of the but you know they won't talk to Marquise Pouncey or Ramon Foster, those people that that come out and defend the Steelers. So I think I think it's just a matter of time before the next juicy story comes out. Unfortunately, I wish it was over, but it just seems like it's never over because people just can't 
shut their mouths or shut their shut off their social media accounts. Something happened today, Tony, and I just became aware of this right before the show, right before we went on. And um, somebody came out, a very unlikely person, to come out, and he he was on television today saying that uh, – here's the exact quote. The people that are saying he's a bad teammate, uh, of course, they were talking about Ben Roethlisberger. That's their truth. For me, I think Ben is a good teammate and a good leader. I'm going to give you three guesses. Let's just have fun with it. Three guesses. Who said that? A former Steeler. A former Steeler. Hmm. Um, Heinz Ward? No, he did not say that. That is not his quote. Yeah, that, but I yeah, that'd be kind of a shock. But I don't, think, I don't think Heinz has really bashed Ben. No, he hasn't really bashed him. They, they really didn't have like a, a cozy relationship either. That's why it, would, it was probably a, a stretch by me to say that. Um... How about uh, Brett Kiesel? Um, no, um, it was not Brett Kiesel. I think they have maintained a very good relationship, actually. So uh, if if Brett Kiesel would have said that, I would have been not shocked at all. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Um, James Harrison. And Bruce Gradkowski. Bruce Gradkowski is another guy that's that's always said good things about him. So you went with James Harrison. Yeah. Really? Wow. You are correct. You are absolutely correct. He he said that on uh, Fox Sports 1 today, which I think something like that, which was kind of surprising to me, um, because I actually have a, a real story that involved me and James Harrison in a, at the Butler Mall in 2006 in an autograph signing, I was assigned to work with him, and he actually had said this was Ben's – this was right after the Super Bowl. They were going through uh, to that horrible first half of the 2006 season, and uh, the, the James was – Debo was just joking around, and he was like, and my dad and I are standing there. And uh, for the record, my dad doesn't recall this story, um, but I, I remember it. Um, I remember two things just that really stuck out that day. The first thing was I told him I was about to get engaged, and he yelled at me. <laughs> he told me, don't do that. <laughs> I have been happily married for 13 years now, um, so I did, not, I did not listen to marital advice from James Harrison. But the other <laughs> thing that he said was just like, well, if we lose tomorrow and they were about to play Denver at home, the quarterback's going to make this week. But, wow, he said and that. I remember him saying that. So I always wondered about the relationship because then in later years I would see them, uh, uh, I would see them on the sidelines with Ben punching into his uh, into his shoulder pads um, and chest protector um, over the years that that little thing they would always do, and uh, but I kind of think. Yeah, Ben Ben started out rocky in Pittsburgh. He really did. But no I question. have another great story. I have another great story that was told to me from a friend that knew um Jeremy Kapanos, the punter. And uh so right when Jeremy was uh he was signed late in that two thousand ten Super Bowl season. 
he came in. Paul Vida got hurt. He came in, and uh, he, of course, went to Penn State. And my buddy knew him from Penn State, and he would have tailgates. And and uh, since uh, he was done playing, Kapanos would come and hang out with him. And uh, so it was really interesting that Jets game late in that season. It was a December game, and uh, and from what my buddy told me, Kapanos came out after the game because he had just been signed, and uh, he said, "Hey," he called him and said, "We're going to be out there when I." hang out after the game. So they came out, hung out. They tailgated in the parking lot after the game. And uh, so he was talking about, you know, different things he's seen in the scene at the time. And he started talking about Sean Sweesome, who something I had not realized when it was happening, but I found out then Sean Sweesome, did you know he was in camp with the Steelers in 2005? Yeah, I think I remember uh, reading about that. Yeah, he was like a, so he, a preseason lost. leg. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was he was in there to not really challenge Jeff Reed, but uh, to uh, to be a body in there to be camp competition. Um, right. Which is always good. I, I that's something I hope they continue to do. Um, but with that being said, he said Sweezum had told him, and Sweezum came right at the same time Kapanos did because they cut Jeff Reed very late in that 2010 season. And he was telling all kinds of cool stories, nothing controversial, but something Sweezum said, said to uh, him and was relayed to my buddy was that Ben Roethlisberger is a completely different person in the clubhouse than in the locker room than what he was in 2005. So five years later, he said he's all business. He's a leader, and uh, and it's it's something completely different than when he first came in. So the reason I'm relaying that story is because Ben had grown over the years, and that was four years later um, from from the uh, the when Debo made those comments to me, which I always thought were interesting, and I can I can see I watched how the relationship had grown, but I always remembered that story in the background and. Uh, when I saw that today, I was impressed. I was glad to hear that uh, Debo just wasn't piling on. Um, so when you tell me that Josh Harris says something, and I'm, I'm forgiving Isaac Redman because I think Isaac Redman's comments were taken way out of context from the more you read that story. But if you're looking at James Harrison or Josh Harris, who are you – who are you going to respect their opinion more? Obviously, uh, James Harrison. I... And would you ever expect James Harrison from that story I just told you um, and from just everything we've seen of him, do you think James Harrison is going to sugarcoat anything? He never has. I mean, right or wrong, he, he tells it like it is, you know, the way he sees it. So, you know his opinion of Ben may have been one way in 2006, but if he thought he was a good teammate all throughout the years, he's going to say that too. So yeah, he would never yeah. he never sugarcoats anything, whether you agree with him or not. He tells it the way he gives you his opinion, his honest opinion. It almost seems to me that that uh, Ben earned Debo's respect over the years, 
and they had right. a, they ended up having a very good relationship. But when I saw that today, I was like, great, maybe this ends all the crap from uh, from the Josh Harris's and and uh, even Emmanuel Sanders really wasn't singling out Ben as much as he was Kevin Colbert, which yeah. I thought that was, you know, I didn't really like that either. Um, but, you know, everybody has the right to to say things. And, you know, your opinion is your opinion. Your perception is your perception. So, I mean, there's a lot of piling on that Pittsburgh is a bad organization. Um, they don't take care of their players. And my question yeah. to you is, do you feel with James Harrison coming out and saying that now, that that could kind of put that to rest? And, well, let me ask you that first. Could that put that to rest? It, I would, I'd like to say yes, but, but it seems like the, 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 the national narrative, the national narrative seems to be to pile on Ben in a negative way. It always has. From my, from my perspective, it always has. So, I think the next time somebody comes out and says something negative, they're gonna they're gonna go to that person and they're gonna make a, a mountain out of a molehill like they like they always do. So I don't think it puts it to rest because I think that for whatever reason the national media has never warmed up to Ben Roethlisberger. And you know you could see, I guess you could see that with the allegations that he faced early in his career, but it doesn't explain their love of Ray Lewis now, does it? So I, I don't understand why they've never really given him, you know as a, as a all time great quarterback, which is what he is. So, you know what? I agree with you completely, but I'll tell you, this is my perception of why that is. Ben seems like he comes from a place of privilege, just like Tom Brady does. Um, I'm not talking about growing up, but it just feels like he is the privileged athlete. And a lot of people are going to pile on that. But one thing that I've learned about this, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're the quarterback, you need to keep people accountable. You need to come out and say, hey, I didn't like that route. Let's run it again. That's why that, the quarterback, whether there's a C on your chest or not, and the Steelers are one of the few teams that don't wear the C on their uniforms, but you know that Ben Roethlisberger – is out there to be a guy that leads. And everyone's saying, well, he's a bad leader because he did this, he did that. He, in, that same, in that same conversation that everybody's talking about after the Denver game, no one is bringing up – actually, one person brought it up to me in a conversation, but hardly anybody has brought up praise of another teammate Saying we should have wanted, we should have went to Juju four times on that. Yes. So, and you know, with that being said, you look at a guy like James Washington coming out and saying, "Yeah, Ben was hard on me, but guess what? He also praised me um, when things were coming together, and that goes a long way with me." And I guarantee you that that uh, James Washington will uh, be a whole lot more in Ben Roethlisberger's confidence. We saw it just at the end of the season, going into yeah. season number two. So if Ben, if James Washington is going to be anything, it's because of a working relationship with Ben Roethlisberger. And it's from leadership from a guy like Ben Roethlisberger. So that 
that's where it's going to come from. It doesn't now. That's not saying that James Washington's um, abilities are uh, are in question here, and saying that only Ben could make him. No, I'm not making. I'm just being preemptive and saying no. I'm not making that claim. I'm just saying that um, you add on to his abilities, and you throw in the fact that you're getting leadership from a 15-year veteran, and who on opening day should become the all-time tenure leader in Pittsburgh Steelers history. He's tied with Mike Webster right now, and he will become – he's going into his 16th year. That is a pretty big deal too. So um, when Antonio Brown says that Ben is like an owner, yeah. Yeah, he is. Hmm. So is Aaron Rodgers. So is Russell Wilson. So is Thank you. Tom Brady, of course. Tom Brady, yes. And uh, Drew Brees, yeah. Peyton Manning, keep going, you know. Yeah, and, and, and you know you know who will be? Guys like Deshaun Watson will be someday if they continue yeah. on the path that they're on. Um guys like uh um Carson you know, Wentz. Carson Wentz isn't yet. But Carson Wentz could be, you know. So yeah. you need to. We. How many times have you used the phrase um, talking about another sport or talking about work, your work life, just saying who's the quarterback here? Exactly. Exactly. And Often. so that's I know. It. I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Who's the quarterback? So that's why. I mean, I've. Uh, this isn't. This wasn't designed to be a whole pro Ben thing. Um, it's actually even a question because the second part of it, when you read the write up for the Hangover article, um, the teaser, it's going to say um, with the wide receiver and running back gone, their losses are going to be well known. I mean, they're going to have to overcome some things. But will the lack of drama stabilize it, or is there still a problem that still exists? So the question to you is. I mean, I've said all these great things about Ben Roethlisberger, but is he a problem in your eyes? Well, I think – no, I don't think he's a problem. I think he's a franchise quarterback. And I think, you know, when you talk about power struggles within an organization, if you want to call it that, do you think any player would ever win a power struggle with Tom Brady or Drew Brees or Peyton Manning or any quarterback you can name who has the stature of Ben Roethlisberger? And for whatever reason, people have always – had some disdain for, for him being a, a leader and being a franchise quarterback and getting the same kind of, you know, trapping, you know, having the same kind of power that other franchise quarterbacks have, like with Bruce Arians. Oh, how dare he have a, a good working relationship with his, with his offensive coordinator? Well, you want that. You want them to have good chemistry. You don't want a butt kicker as your offensive coordinator. You saw what happened with Todd Haley. You don't want that. I mean, he made him a better quarterback, but they never got along. You want your quarterback to be uh, to be happy in that regard. So, if, if you if I do, I think that he's a problem. No, and I think with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell gone, they don't want to follow. They don't want to. They don't want. Obviously, with Le'Veon Bell saying Ben wanted to win his way. Well, no kidding. He's the, he's the top guy in the organization. You know, unless he's being a jerk about it, he's gonna want. He's gonna want. You know, to have a big say in the offense and. Was he was he complaining when he was throwing the, him the ball eighty times a year? I don't think so. Now all of a sudden he's saying he wants to win his way. 
the problem with those two guys is they didn't want to, they didn't seem to understand that he made them better, just like any other franchise quarterback of his talent is going to make them better. So they didn't want to follow. And what you said about James Washington about how he how he appreciated that. Well, he that means he's he's a good follower and a good leader is only as good as his followers. So I think I don't know if they're going to be better, like you said. We're trying to replace those two is going to be a big task, but I think leadership is going to people are going to be listening to the leaders more uh, in 2019 than they have the past few years. I think. How many times have followers become leaders? It, it's happened so many times throughout the entire um, <laughs> throughout the entire universe. So I mean, you know, James Washington, five six years from now, could be. It could be a huge leader on this team, um, just like Absolutely. Juju can now. Um, but if I just one last thing about uh, about Bell and Brown before we move on. Look, we talked all this. We heard him say it. We heard Antonio Brown use the word "that's my truth." We just heard in James Harrison's uh, quote, he said, "That's their truth." So here's the thing about truth. If we, if you hook these guys up to a lie detector, um, let, let's keep Le'Veon Bell out of it. Um, what's more Antonio Brown? You hook him up to a lie detector, I would almost guarantee you that if you ask him the question, was Ben Roethlisberger a good teammate, he would say yes. If you said, did you get along with Ben Roethlisberger, he would say yes. Ben Roethlisberger to Antonio Brown is nothing but a scapegoat, and he has to be. In this whole situation, you're doing damage control now. You got the deal you wanted, but now public perception is not is not really shining on you right now. I mean, the, you know, the public thinks you're a spoiled athlete, um, and uh, – for everything that you did in this situation, kibosh the Buffalo deal. Um, but so he needs, he has to have a scapegoat. So now it has to be about, do you think he believed anything he was saying when he said, well, Ben's never been to my house. I mean, Ben's been to my house once I've been to his. Um, he's throwing out the fact that uh, um, Art too didn't know his kids' names. No, this was something just to hang it on. Um, because he wanted paid like other athletes were getting paid because two years is a long time. Two years, yeah. guys surpass his number. So now he wants to get back out of here, and he knows this is his last big contract. This is it. And he doesn't want to wait two years, and you know, I get it. But you work so hard to get that contract, you should probably uh, you should probably be happy with it for a while, but in this case, he wasn't. So is there a problem in Pittsburgh? No. Ben is just a scapegoat, and that's all he is. Um, just like uh, Kevin Colbert was a scapegoat with the uh, the, the 52 kids. Gosh, that, I've never seen anything oh, more God. blown out of proportion than that. That was so ridiculous. Um, here's a guy in his 60s. My dad calls – my parents call us the kids. I'm 47 years old. My dad calls me – I said, hey, did you ask my mom, you hear from the kids today? You know, that's what they call us. Am I offended? No. 
No hey, way. Keep calling me a kid. I, I love it. <laughs> that's right. You know, but that's Check just, my ID, please. That's just, yeah, that, that's, that was, uh, I mean, I wish he would have chose another choice of words, but I'm going to go back to 1983, Monday Night Football opener. And Howard Cosell took a lot, a lot of crap for a comment. Um, it, it, now, this is not – let me preface this. We are not talking about race here. But what happened in this situation, he called Alvin Garrett of the Fun Bunch and the Washington Redskins. A, he said, wow, that little monkey is fast. And we all know that that, that is – is uh, you know perceived as a racial comment, um, but you know Howard Cosell was old back then, and he's like, look, I mean, I you know how I've been over the years with with the black athlete with uh, with Muhammad Ali. This is something mm-hmm. I call my kids, uh, I call my grandkids little monkeys. And then so a couple of years I read that in this book, a couple of years later I'm watching a documentary of him from 1973, and there's Howard in, in, this, uh, in this lawn chair um, yelling out to his kids, his uh, grandkids, hey, you little monkeys, get back here. And that's all he was doing. And um, so uh, my wife who watches kids for a living, she she calls the kids little monkeys. It's just a situation, you know. There's different, and there's nothing racially motivated about it. It's just the fact that we can take any phrase and we can blow it out of proportion as a scapegoat for any of our needs. So Ben Roethlisberger, for him to go ahead and say, "Hey, let's run that route again," and that pisses somebody off. And he's not respected, and they don't respect him. Well, that's just that's just an excuse because now we've got we've got to get uh, everybody's eyes off that. The reason Le'Veon Bell is doing it, why? What's the main reason Le'Veon Bell is doing it right now? He's not. He he, uh, he needs to justify his reason for leaving because he just signed a deal with the Jets. That's. That was less than what they offered. The offered him last year. Yeah, right. exactly. So, so now he's going to get. Right. Now you go back to old tweets about him never wanting to leave Pittsburgh and talking about how great it is to be with a legend like Ben Roethlisberger. And now all of a sudden, we've got to we've got to change the narrative because you've got to change the narrative to uh, to make yourself look better because your actions. Um, even though those quotes contradict everything, you could just say, hey, I was holding it in. They were oppressing me yeah. or they, they were yeah. – uh, uh, what, what have you. And anybody, could, anybody of any walk of life um, could say that. Hey, me, you know what? We do this in our regular life. If we're making just Joe Public, you and I, if we have to say, why did you do that, and you realize that, oh, wow, that didn't go the way, and I'm looking bad for what I said. I mean, hey, I've done it in my life. I'm sure I have. I don't have an instance where I can tell you, but I can probably, well, I did it this because they said this, and it really offended me when it didn't offend me. I'm sure I've done it. 
you may have done that that either. I mean, as well. But then again, you are a much better person than I am. So, and <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I don't know if many of my girlfriends would say that. I have, <laughs> you know, act a jerk, and then later on said, "Oh, I was just having a bad day, honey." You know, or or, or this happened, yeah, and know, that happened, and you, you had to justify it. My my wife will tell you if I, if I could get her on, and I know I can't, but uh, <laughs> I get along with almost everybody I meet. I mean, I I just want to be friends with everybody. I'm that kind of kind of guy. I'm I'm known as that guy, and that's what I strive to do. And if I do offend somebody, then I take it personally if I offended somebody, and I want to try to fix it. Um, but if I can get if I get in a fight with my wife. She's like, for such a nice guy, you can get really dirty when you fight. <laughs> and I'd be like, well, yeah, because, you know, we're arguing. And, and uh, you, you know, you just throw stuff in the heat of the battle. You throw stuff out, and you're like, oh, gosh, I'm going to die for saying that. And you know, as soon as it, it went off your lips, oh, I'm going to get killed. Um, you know, and then you try to come up with an excuse why you said it. And that's exactly what's going mm-hmm. on here. So, really, I think the drama's over. I think a major assist could go to James Harrison for that comment today and uh, could really help end the drama. And now, it, if you ask me, I'm thinking, all right, just like what Kevin Colbert said the other day, I have not heard anything that Mike Tomlin said today. I had not had a chance to listen to any of his comments, but I would be surprised if it was anything different than, um, than, you know, we're just moving forward. And that's what we need the Steelers to do at this point. Do you feel they can move forward, Tony? Absolutely. I do. Absolutely. Yes. Cause I mean, I, I've enjoyed, I've, I've respected how Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin, Ben Roethlisberger, all these people who have been, you know, trashed really, by you know, with with comments from former players, how they've just basically stayed out of it. They've kept, they've taken the high road. So to me, that speaks to maturity for me, and that's such a good example for the for the other players in that in, in the locker room. So I think they can move forward, and I think they will. I think they will rally around everything that's happened, and it will make them a, a better team. You know, t- more talented team, maybe not, but a better team. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a better team, a better locker room moving forward. And that I agree with as well. Um, so you you mentioned high road and low road. Um, it reminds me of a song from 1991 by Poison, Something to Believe in, the chorus at the end. Mm-hmm. You take the low road, I take the <laughs> high road. There you go. So I think – the reason I bring that up is, Tony, I think we have something to believe in. And yes. I'm ready to uh, start talking about uh, who you start bringing in now at this point, um, who you start bringing in in the draft and uh, forming this new no-drama club. And I'm really excited for it. So with that being said, Tony, thanks for all your participation tonight. As always, it was a blast. Oh, thank you. It was a it was a fun, spirited conversation. I really I really had a good time. I got a lot off my chest tonight, so I, I was happy. <laughs> and I pull stuff out of left field. <laughs> that's uh, that's what great. I do every you week. You, 
you probably have to hang up, sit in your easy chair and crack like three beers to get through <laughs> all the stuff I throw at you. <laughs> because uh, no, I, don't I love think it. you know where it's coming from. And we do something you know what I'm proud about this show is we used to do a lot of prep when we would do the hangover. And now we do no prep whatsoever. And I think it's uh I think it's something that that uh serves us well because it becomes more of an off the cuff conversation. And it's something I have fun with too. So uh no prep, all kinds of pep. How about that, Tony? I love it. Like two two wrestlers. We we know each other's moves now and, and we give we, we give them a good show. Exactly. And speaking speaking of which, I know this has nothing to do with the WWE, but I just want to bring this out today. Um I always we always discuss when um one of our favorite wrestlers pass away. And um recently in the last couple months we had one of our favorites pass away, Jim the Anvil Neidhart. And today, he is—he has been announced, along with Bret Hart, the Hart Foundation has been announced as going into the WWE Hall of Fame. So there you go. You brought up wrestlers that know each other. Those guys knew each other real well. So you can call Good me stuff. the Hitman. I'll call you the Anvil. Tony the it. Anvil DeFeo. <laughs> well, actually, I think I want to be the Anvil. You're more the excellence of execution than I am. I'm more like just going in there and just <laughs> trying to bulldoze your people. So I think you're more like, you're more technical than I am. So I think you're the hitman. <laughs> I love it. Okay, well, for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, for all of your Pittsburgh Steeler needs, new articles dropping almost every hour in the morning. I mean, 10 a day. I mean, we keep you up to date with everything possible. Breaking news, we're going to have it. If it's a light conversation, we're going to have it. Um, If it's just uh, anything from evaluations to uh, prognostications, we're going to have it at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. You're going to see plenty of stuff from uh, Tony DeFeo on there. You'll see stuff from uh, myself as well. And keep in mind, if you like this podcast, we have three more podcasts dropping every single week. Um, on BTSC Radio. So for Tony, the Anvil, Defio, my name is Brian, the Hitman Davis, and you have just been hungover, my friend. Good night.